Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. All right. Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Why don't you turn to a few people, give them an air high five. Come on, a COVID-approved Delta variant air hug or something. Come on. Hey, why don't you look at your other neighbor and be like, hey, if you knew who I was, you'd take me out for tacos after this. Come on. Let's get a free lunch. Hey, I saw Mr. and Mrs. Carroll in the building. Where they, where they end up at? All the way in the back. Come on, let's give it up for our newly married couple in the house. <laughs> Dan and Andre, come on, somebody. We, uh, if you know Lakeisha, she just got married yesterday, too, so something's in the air. Watch out, everybody. Who knows? But no, we're, we're excited. Uh, well, hey, we are in the middle of uh, a series called Values where we're going over our mission, vision, and some of our top five values as a church. We do it once a year because what happens after years, we all forget about it. And uh, man, God's been doing some great stuff. A lot of new people in the last six months even. So it's a great time to talk about the values as a church, why we exist, what we're about. Uh, and where we want to go. And so today to do that, we're going to talk about courage is our choice and what we mean by that. It takes courage to live. How many of you know that we spend courage on the daily? Come on, like you spend hope to make it through the week, don't you? We, we just do this. And so we need each other. Uh, the Bible actually says when you get together, encourage one another. That literally means the word encouragement means to put courage in somebody else. So the Bible saying, listen, when you get together, put courage in each other because life demands that you spend courage to make it through the month. And so when you get together, don't discourage each other. Put courage in each other. So courage is our choice. It took courage to plant the church. It took courage to get through COVID. Come on, how many you know it just takes courage to believe that around the corner God's going to meet you with something better than what you got and your future is bright. Amen. And so that's what we're going to do today. And to do that, we're going to look at a few portions from Joshua. I love the study of Joshua, the book of Joshua. Uh, every year we kind of go back to it a little bit and we pull something fresh out of it. That's what I love about the Bible. You can always go back to the same thing and get, get something new out of it. And so we're going to look at Joshua and, and what he went through. And, you know, Joshua, he was a slave for the first 40 years of his life. No education. He didn't read any John Maxwell books on leadership. Right. There was no there was no professional training in his life. His dad was a slave. His grandfather was a slave. Like there, there was no really way to look back and draw from something where it's like, yo, we've we've made it. Right. And so at 40 years old, Moses comes along. Joshua gets out. He goes on, on a spy expedition. And instead of inheriting the promised land, God says, we're going to have to wait another 40 years, an 11 year journey. Right. Turn into 40 years because of a complaining. Always makes me wonder what have I slowed down in my life because of my complaining. I wonder what you've slowed down a little bit because we run the mouth. Isn't that terrible? Oh man! That, okay, let, let me encourage you this morning. Okay, let's get back to encouragement. And so, so eleven days turns into forty years, and then finally, right, Moses passes away, and and God looks to Joshua and He says, "Now I want you to take these people across this river, man, and, and inherit." This promise. And so I want to give us that context today of what we're about ready to go into when we read Joshua 1. Are you ready? Let's read it together here this morning. So after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord says to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses, aid, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. So pause here for a second. The man that Joshua spent his entire life looking up to is now gone. 
right? So, I mean, imagine the gravity, again, of this. The guy that you followed for, for your whole adult life is gone. And now God's saying, we're going to do something new. We're going somewhere else. Let's, let's get ready, Joshua. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, Hittite country, Mediterranean Sea in the west. So he's, he's, he's given them the boundaries. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. What a great line that is. Be strong and courageous because I will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn from it to the right or the left. They may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. You might be careful to do everything written. Then you're going to make your way prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Wow, what a, what a great line. As a kid, I grew up in the country. Some of you know that about me. Uh, I'm not a South Florida native, and most of my neighbors growing up were Amish. They were the people that don't believe in electricity. Horses and buggies were everywhere. And every summer, my dad would, would do what he called clearing the brush out. Anybody know what I'm talking about, clearing the brush? So I have a few Midwesterners in the house that, that knows what it means to clear the brush. And so he'd go into the forest and whatever, he'd clear some brush out, and he'd create this big pile. Now, in the country, you don't put your brush on the side of the street for the you know, trash to come by and pick it up. You burn that stuff, man. Like, I don't know why we do that, but... That was the 80s, you know? And so, so we're gathering all this brush in the forest. My dad makes a big pile, and he decides to light this thing on fire. We're going to burn the brush. Look at your neighbor and say, burn the brush. And so he, we're burning this thing down, and we're having lunch. I'll never forget this. I was five years old. I, we're having lunch. I, I'm chowing on my bologna and cheese sandwich with my little sippy cup of water. And my dad looks up, and he goes, oh, no. And, and he shouts an expletive that I can't repeat here because it's Sunday morning. And, and he takes off running for the forest. And our brush fire had gotten out of control. And, and now, now other parts of the marsh and the forest that are not supposed to be on fire are on fire. And so he makes a mad dash and he yells back at me, Matt, go get some water. Looking back, I'm like, Dad, I was five years old. Like, anyway, you know, I love my dad. And, and so, so I run to the house to go get water. I get this big uh, pail of water that my mom used for, like, cooking in. And, and I remember filling it up at the sink and then running out with this massive pail of water to try to throw water on this big fire. On the way there, I, I trip and I fall and I lose, like, 90% of the water. It's really a sad story when you think about it. And I, I run to the, the fire and I throw, like, a little drop on it and it goes, and, like, nothing of value happens at all to stop the fire. And I, in discouragement, I run back to the house and, and, I, and I run in my bed at five years old, and I am just, like, crying. I'm freaking out. I, I think the house is going to burn. I, I'm afraid the fire is going to take over. And it was really sad. Now, my dad was able to stop the fire and put it out, but I was scarred after that moment. From that moment on until I was about 15 years old, I had a very real fear of fire. I had a fear of fire. Every summer when we would cook hot dogs, I was afraid. You know, every year when we're starting a fire in the house for the fireplace, I was dealing with fear. You know, it's funny, like there's childhood fears and there's adult fears. Like remember as a child how afraid we all were of quicksand? Like when you're a kid, you think quicksand is everywhere. You're like, man, watch out in the playground. There could be some quicksand over there. 
Like you're just walking along with your homies, and the next thing you know, quicksand got them, man. Like, you know, it's like quicksand. Like there's just such a fear of quicksand. And you grow up and you're like, oh, there's no quicksand anywhere, you know. I, I was afraid of the Wicked Witch of the West, Wizard of Oz. I'm talking the old school stuff, right? Like I, I remember going to bed, and I was like, this lady's terrifying. You know, totally afraid of, of the Wicked Witch of the West. We have fears as kids, and, but guess what? We have fears as adults, don't we? Sometimes the, the fear of failure, maybe the fear of always being alone, the fear of being misunderstood, or maybe the fear of just not measuring up or fitting in, or, you know, whatever it is, fear is a real thing. And when you look at Joshua chapter 1, it's easy, I think, to relate to Joshua because here's this man, and he's dealing with a fear. He's probably wondering, do I have what it takes? The man that I followed my whole life is gone, and now God's looking to me, the, the people looking at me, and, man, I'm looking at the enemy, and it's looking serious, and I don't, I don't know if we're going to make it or not. And he's dealing with a real fear. And so God comes along, and he says, hey, guess what, man? Take courage choose courage. Fear's a real thing. We all deal with it. We all face it. I think the word of the Lord for us today as a church would be, hey, guess what? Take courage. Choose courage. To lead God's people, there's a lot to do. Let me rewind for a second before we continue. Our mission as a church, we exist so people can meet, know, and follow Jesus. Matthew 28, right? God wants us to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. They are the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And he, and he watches. He says, I commanded you to go. He goes, surely I'm with you always, even at the end of the age. Just like he said to Joshua, he goes, I'm with you as you do this. Go make disciples. We want everyone to meet, know, and follow Jesus. We want every family in the world to be in a healthy local church. Amen. That's what we want. That's what we're about. We want people to meet Jesus and know him that he loves them and follow him. Our vision, we see ourselves building a church that relates to an upcoming generation and then multiplying that model, right? Like at the right time, maybe it's two services is our next step or whatever it is. Like we're, we're trying to say, how do we do it right and how do we multiply? How do we continue to reach more people for Jesus? We want to grow this thing and connect to an upcoming generation. In essence, we're a church for the people of Fort Lauderdale. That's what this hub is. We're a church. For the people of Fort Lauderdale, God loves people. People, man, that's, that's our heart. It's what we're after. Here's, here's our values. Here's our, our top five values as a church. Uh, is Love is our calling. We talked about that last week. Uh, courage is our choice. That's today. Cheers is our heart. Friendship is our vibe. And worship is our passion. Courage. Let's talk about courage today. There's a few things I want to bring out from Joshua as we talk about, about courage. And the, and the first one is this. God's will does not mean frustration-free. As we talk about courage and we talk about what it takes to make it in life and to go for it in faith, you need to know that God's will does not mean frustration-free. In conquering the promised land, Joshua led them through 13 battles, and it took about seven years. And then it took another seven years to actually settle all the land. In fact, God even said, if I gave it to you all at once, it would overwhelm you, and you wouldn't be able to even get the blessing that I want to have for you, so I'm going to give it to you in pieces. I find it so interesting that God could have given them the land with no problem whatsoever, and he chose not to do that. He chose to leave the problem, watch this, in the promised land. How many times do you and I want the promise without the problem in it? I do. It would be so much more convenient, right, if every promise was passive and not active. 
It would be so much better if every promise from God was as easy as sitting down on the couch watching Netflix, right? I mean, it would be so easy, but there's a problem in the promise. His will doesn't mean frustration free. Why does God do this? Look at James 1 and 2. I want to submit this to you today. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its works so that it might be mature and complete, not lacking anything. God's not trying to just deliver you from your problem this morning. He's trying to deliver you from you. And sometimes the only way for God to get to you is let a problem in your life. That's no fun, is it? You don't make blankets out of sandpaper, do you? No. Why? Because sandpaper is rough, it's coarse, and it's miserable. What's the purpose of a sandpaper, though? It's to polish the object that it's against. If you get sandpaper out and you rub that thing on wood, eventually the sandpaper gets worn out, but the wood gets polished. I wonder this morning if God's letting some sandpaper people in your life because he's trying to polish you a little bit. I wonder if he's letting a problem in your life because he wants you to grow in a little bit of faith. When you experience a little bit of pressure, it's not break down all the time, but it's trust him a little bit. And the only way for him to do that is let a little sandpaper come up against you. Y'all not excited about this one, but sometimes there's a problem in the promise. But I want you to check this. Check this out. The presence of a problem doesn't mean the lack of a promise. Sometimes we get into the problem. We think God's forgotten me. There is no promise. It's never going to happen. No, no, don't keep your eyes on the problem. Keep your eyes on the promise. Keep your eyes on God. And don't get discouraged when he lets a problem. God could have given them the land with everybody gone, but he chose to give them the land through their obedience. There was a problem in the promise, and he wanted them to walk through it. Walk, walk in it and develop them in it. Number two this morning, as we talk courage, God's will doesn't mean failure free. And this one gets me, okay, because you talk about the fear of stuff. I don't like the fear of failure. I mean, I am a textbook Enneagram 3. We're the achiever, okay? It's been a hard year for me, okay, with, with everything going on. I don't, I don't like all these things out of my control. I don't like COVID. I don't like these variables, right? Like, like I, w- I, want to, I want the goal. I'm, I'm one of those, like, hyper-driven, hyper-achiever personalities, textbook Enneagram 3. I don't like failure. I, in fact, I deal with the fear of failure. If I have a fear that I have to constantly bring back to God, it's just the fear of failure. Lord, it's out of my hands. This is your thing. I'm just going to try to be obedient. And I, I don't like that. You ever hear preachers say, listen, the outcome is God's job. Yours is obedience. You ever heard anybody say something like that, right? And I believe that's theologically correct, but I don't like it. I want the outcome to be in my control, right? Like It's like, no, no. You know? and, and God constantly is working the fear of failure out of my life. In Joshua 7, there's this man. And his name is Achan, and I, I can't quite pronounce that right because my Hebrew is not the best. Uh, but, but he does this thing that, that, that God said not to do. And so when they, when they go into Jericho, right, that was the very first city that God gave them. He gave them a supernatural victory. And God said, everything from this city, all the gold, everything you collect, that is mine. Okay, and this, this is the concept of first fruits. 
So this, this, the concept of first fruits runs all throughout the Bible. This is why we as Christians, we believe when we tithe, it's not just 10% we give to God. It's the first 10% we give to God. This is the concept of first fruits. And so when, when, they, when God gives them this land and he's with them, he says, listen, y'all can have everything else, but the first city, that's mine. That's for my work and my temple, and then everything else is yours, okay, guys? And so they go in, and this man decides to take some of the gold, right? So instead of obeying God in this moment, he decides to take it and, and keep it for himself. And this is why we believe as Christians, even like when, when we tithe, I don't believe I'm giving God my money. I believe I'm giving God back to him what is already his. This is like just the concept of first fruits. It's already his. It's, it's wholly unto him. And so that's not mine. That's, that's his. And so he takes this. And then, and then they go up against the next battle in the city of Ai, and they lose the battle. And Joshua's like, what happened? we just come off this amazing W, and we followed up with this terrible loss. Now my confidence is shaken, right? Everybody else's confidence is shaken. Our, our courage is wobbly a little bit. How did we follow up a win with a loss? And have you ever gone through something where your confidence just got rattled? Right? This is, this is the picture here in Joshua 7. They're, they're rattled now. And what does Joshua do? When, when he fails, and this is, this is a great thing to take from his life, when he falls, he falls forward into God. What so many people do, even now, is when they make a mistake and when they fail, they fall away instead of fall forward. Can I get an amen that we can fall forward into the arms of grace? Come on, if you're going to fall seven times, the Bible says, hey, righteous man, gets back up again. Oh, come on, y'all get to give God a little clap on that one because... How many of you know it's been a process, not of success and success, but sometimes falling forward and falling forward and falling forward. Just keep moving forward. Amen. And so, and so he gets up and he says, God, what's going on? What's going on? And, and there's, there's this beautiful bit of wisdom here that I want us to see this morning. Confidence is revived from conversations. When you fail and when you fall and when you make a mistake, could I encourage you this morning, have a conversation with God. Conversation brings clarity. Joshua needed to know, why did we get here? And more importantly, how did we get there? I can't tell you how many times in my life I have just had to fall forward and say, Father, how did I get here? And how do I get there? Because I need my confidence back, and that only comes from clarity. Conversation with you. How do we get there? Amen? And listen, if it's been a second since you've had a conversation with God, could I encourage you, have a conversation with him. God, how do we get there? Amen. So God allowed them to experience failure. Now, failure, you know this, but I'll remind you, failure is an event, not a person. We sometimes think, oh, man, I'm just a failure. No, you're not. Failure is an event. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a person. And as you're on the journey of life, you're going to go through some failures. You're going to make some mistakes. Here's what failure does. Failure reminds me I'm not God. That needs to happen from time to time for all of us. Failure reminds me I'm not in control. I can't control everything. I can't control other people. Failure reminds me humility is important, doesn't it? Man, that's, that's good. We need that. Failure reminds me to be kind when I do have power because I remember what it felt like to be powerless. Sometimes I just wonder if we just don't need a, a kinder church, a kinder society. Failure isn't fun, but, man, she can be an incredible teacher. Have that conversation with God. I love what Winston Churchill says. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. Make the decision to get back up again and keep going. My grandfather was a semi-professional boxer, and he was a tough, fast dude. 
And he, he would tell my dad, who always passed it on to me, he said, it never matters how many times you get knocked down. What matters is if you get back up again and just continue the fight. Choose, choose courage. Amen. A couple more things here. Uh, this one is good. Not every fight is my fight. Not every fight on Twitter is your fight. Can I get a, a hearty amen to that? Like, not every fight is your fight. Uh, I got a picture of this. Uh, throw that picture up for me, Edwin. There was a picture of this python in the bathroom here. There was a story from Orlando this last week. I love this one lady's like, oh, my God, no. Like, you know, and, and so this lady, you're going to love this story. She's in Orlando. She moves into a new apartment. And three weeks later, she discovers this. She opens up the bathroom door in the morning, and she discovers a four or five-foot python just, you know, in her bathroom right there by her soap. The worst part about it is she had been living with the snake unknowingly for three weeks because the python had been left by the previous tenant. How many of you can say the devil is a liar? <laughs> like, <laughs> and it had been living underneath her refrigerator mostly. And just, ah, like I just got the hair on my neck is standing up just thinking about it. And so what does she do? Well, she does what any sane person would do. She slams the door. She jumps on Facebook and says, help, I have a python in my bathroom. Who do I call? In other words, what is she saying? This fight is not my fight. Come on, how many of you know this fight is not your fight? Like, who do I call to get this python out of my bathroom? Because I ain't touching this python, okay? I hate snakes, man. I, I would agree with her. I'd be like, yo, who do we call? Because this ain't my fight. This ain't my fight. Not every fight, guys, is your fight. You're not a called to every fight. You're not anointed for every fight. That's Jesus. And we often, as Christians, we exhaust ourselves because we're trying to fight a fight that's not our fight. And, and Joshua realizes, man, you know what? I could take these people and go back to Egypt to get revenge, but guess what? God wouldn't be there. The Red Sea wouldn't open back up again, and there wouldn't be any victory and retaliation. God's not there. He could have taken them to Nineveh, and it would have been like a nah from God. Like, it's just, it wouldn't work. He could have gone to Babylon. It wouldn't have worked. Why? Because the favor of God was on the other side of the Jordan, waiting for them to show up. Yes, there's a problem in the promise, but there's power to face the problem. But it's in the fight that God has called you to fight. There's favor on your fight. Love your lane. I don't know who I'm preaching for this morning, but some of you need to hear this. There is grace for your race. There's favor for your fight. What has God called you to do? Amen. There's favor that stay where you're favored to fight. Amen. Last one, just a couple more things and we'll, we'll wind down. Courage rises as I review God's resume. Courage rises as I review God's resume. This is what David did, right? He's like, hey, I fought the lion, I fought the bear, I got this giant. What was he doing? He was reviewing God's resume. God showed up here, God showed up there. He did this five years ago, he did this three weeks ago. He's gonna come through again. He's got this, reviewing his resume. John 14, 26 says, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. Watch this. My faith grows as my memory is reminded. Why do we need reminded? Isn't that interesting that a ministry of the Holy Spirit is simply to remind us what Jesus said? It doesn't feel that spectacular, does it? But, but a ministry of the Holy Spirit is simply to remind me of what Jesus has said 
what God has done in my life. Why? Because we forget. Isn't it interesting? We forget. The other day, we, we, I told you the story last week. I broke down and had to buy a minivan. And in, in buying the minivan, they asked me a number of security questions. And they asked me an address I had like five years ago. And I couldn't remember the address. And I'll blame it on the fact that my twins keep us up most nights, you know, and a lack of coffee. And I couldn't remember the address. And I was like, yo, this is embarrassing. I promise I'm not a fraud. Like, like I, I, I remember kind of living there. You know, I, just, I couldn't remember the address. And it's really funny. We forget things. We all forget things. The Holy Spirit is trying to bring back to my remembrance what God has said and what God has done. Ha- have you ever noticed that the old school saints, they just don't get as moved like, like we get as moved, right? Like, like this last year when we were going through COVID, I called my pastor. He's been my pastor for 17 years, and he's in his 70s now. He's retired, and he's successfully led a church of about five, 600, you know, for, for 30 years almost. You know, and I called him. I said, man, you know, I don't know about this, looking a little shaky. You know, last year at this time, it was just a little shaky. And, and I was like, man, I don't know, it's a COVID thing, and, you know, here's what we're looking at financially, and here's, I don't have a space and all this stuff. And he's like, well, how much are you short, and what are you looking at? And I told them. And you know what he said out of his mouth? He goes, man, I remember 20 years ago, and the church had like a $300,000 deficit. We were looking at the year, and I didn't know what we were going to do. And he starts telling me this story. And he's like, but by Christmas, it all came, you know. And he's just like not moved by my problem at all. And I'm getting annoyed because I'm like, I don't want to talk about 20 years ago. I want to talk about right now. Like, I got a problem. And he's like, yeah, but I just remember. And God came through. And he was, he was he's let me pray for you. You'll be fine. And, but how many know that's exactly what, what I needed? I've just noticed these old school saints, they just don't get worked up as much as we do. And I just wonder if it's just they, they've built a better resume, they, they've reviewed it more often. They just remember what God has done and that he's faithful to his promises to come through. Amen. Come on, aren't you grateful that he's faithful to complete his promise in our life? Amen. I think the more we get excited about this, the more he shows up. And so he just gave me hope and, and courage. God empowered an entire nation to receive their land. Your, your problem is lightweight to God. So often we make the problem so big, and I wonder if sometimes the Holy Spirit's like, yo, that, I know you think it's a mountain, but in reality, it's just a molehill. It's like just this little thing. You know, b- bring it back down. What I found to be true in life is if you talk about your problem, your problem grows. But if you talk about your God, your problem shrinks. So many Christians, watch this, watch this, they're talking about their problem instead of talking to God. God never says talk about your problem. He says talk to your problem. Right? We just want to call everybody up and say everybody what a big problem we have. And God says, actually, if you just talk to that thing and talk about me, things will flip around a little bit. It's what you magnify grows. Come on. I just wonder if you're just magnifying the wrong thing today. You do have a good, loving, heavenly father who's faithful and just and good and is for you and not against you. Come on. If he could do this for them, he can get you to where he's called you to be. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you guys really quick, and we'll close today. Thanks for listening. I hope it helped. Lord, we love you. God, thank you for your promises. Lord, thank you for, for being faithful in our lives. Thank you for the Holy Spirit reminding us of all the things that you have done for us. God, we love you. We trust you. We give you all of the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.com.
www.thepeopleofgod.church. Have an amazing week.